Hello, welcome to our Sunday morning service this morning. I'm Hazel. And I'm Gavin. And before we kick off with the service itself, we've got a few really exciting notices that we wanted to share with you. We are going to be doing the marriage course online for the first time. And it's suitable for couples that have been married just a couple of years or maybe for 52 years, but it just allows some time for you to um, think about and talk about your relationship. And we've got a video coming up now to give you a bit more information about that. Marriage involves two people. They meet. You found me really attractive really quickly. <laughs> they fall in love. She's passionate. <laughs> They get married and embark on a relationship that's designed to be one of increasing intimacy. I really couldn't see my life without her. But that's not automatic. We have to keep working at our marriage. Because I wasn't getting much affirmation, I started getting that from other places. Our marriage was nearly over. If you start building good habits in your relationship, you'll be reaping the effects of those choices in 5, 10 or 20 years' time. I can't let my past define my future. We have to build our own reality. The aim of the marriage course is to strengthen the connection between you as a couple. Love grows us. This is not a silly sentimental idea. This is science fact. How about one that we don't really hear about? How about this one? Fun. Marriage ought to be fun. If you're not having fun, what's the point? The marriage course is built on universal principles that are relevant to any couple anywhere. In years to come, you'll look back on having built a marriage as perhaps the most important achievement of all in your lives. So that's the marriage course. It's uh, starting on Wednesday week. You'll join a Zoom call with uh, me and Hazel. We'll just introduce the, the, the evening and the topic. And then it's over to you. You'll have a video that you can play, just you and your partner in your home, with some opportunities to talk through some, uh, some issues and some topics. There's no group work. There's no discussion. Uh, it's just between you and your partner. So if that sounds like it's interesting, there's more information on our website. And you can also sign up there to say that you're coming. Uh, it's sglh.org.uk backslash marriage hyphen course. And while we're talking about the website, we've launched our brand new website um, this week. We're really excited about it. Do go and have a look at it, sglh.org.uk. And uh, if you go and look, there'll be, there's loads of information there about the marriage course, uh, also about the prayer course that's coming up, and our prayer resources for Thy Kingdom Come and Unite 714. So do go and have a look at it for yourself. Wow, there's a lot going on. There is. What about next week? So next week, next week will look slightly different on a Sunday morning. We're going to do another all-aged service to um, celebrate Pentecost. So there will be no children's groups. We're going to join all together, same time, 10 o'clock, to celebrate Pentecost. But we would love to have some participation from you guys. And what we would really like is over the next few days, if you could take a photo of yourselves, your families, or, or something um, totally different that is red, orange or yellow, those Pentecost flame colours and send them to us and we're going to collate them all together and hopefully produce a video that just allows us to see each other and connect with each other again and just unite us um, at Pentecost. That sounds like a lot of fun. So basically we're looking for photos with loads of red, loads of yellow, uh, loads of orange, it might be you wearing those clothes, it might be something that you see when you're out and about and we're going to do some something fun. I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> we don't know exactly what we're going to do with them but it's going to be fun so we're really looking forward to that. So at the moment we're going to have our Bible reading. We're uh, continuing our, well, we're finishing off our series on Peter's first letter. Liz is going to read um, the, the passage from 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 12 in just a minute. Um, but before we go there, 
Uh, I was reading this week that psychologists that, uh, know, they've known for a while, it's a well-known phenomenon, that human beings have uh, a tendency towards bad news. Um, that if you, if you give us information that's good and bad, it's the bad stuff that we'll hang on to and remember. And I just think that's a terrible tendency that we have. And um, as we're coming now together, as we're gathering in this virtual way, as we're inviting God to come and talk to us, I thought it'd be good just to, to deliberately uh, do something counterintuitive and not to focus on the bad, but to focus on the good. So what I'd love you to do right now is just have a think right now about the things that you are grateful for today. They could be really simple things like the uh, yummy breakfast that you had or, or the weather outside or the opportunity to talk to somebody on the phone. Uh, have a little think and uh, we're going to have 90 seconds now uh, when you can, if you, you can just sit and think about that and thank God for it. Uh, you might want to share it if you're watching uh, on our, our live cast on YouTube. You might want to share it in the chat or you might want to text somebody or you might even want to pick up the phone and just share with them something that you're grateful for this morning. Father, we thank you for all of the good things that you give us. We thank you for the things that have just come to mind. We thank you for good things that have happened this week or many years ago. We thank you that you are faithful. And Heavenly Father, as we go through the rest of this day, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit. Just open our eyes to things that are good around us and may we continue to give you thanks. And as we move on into our time of worship and as we hear um, your word and the message, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come, fill our hearts and minds and help us to focus on you, that we may be transformed into your likeness. Amen. Amen. Our reading this morning is from 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 12 to the end of the chapter. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 12 to the end of the chapter, and it's read for us by Liz Morgan. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief 
or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Good morning. Uh, welcome to my study. And uh, this morning we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 4 as we come to the end of our series. I'm looking at the first letter that Peter wrote to the churches in North Turkey. So you may want to have that passage open uh, before you. And I want to talk this morning about the process of being refined like gold. Um, do you know, this is a, a theme that is there right the way through the New Testament, that um, there's something that happens to Christians after they become Christians. Um, for all of us, there's that moment when we meet Jesus, when we discover that he loves us despite all of our brokenness and all of our sinfulness and all the things we've got wrong. And he gives us a new life. We leave behind that old messed up life and we enter into a new life. But that's only the start of another process that the New Testament talks about. It's sometimes called the process of becoming holy, uh, sometimes called sanctification. And in the passage we're looking at this morning, it's described as being like a refiner's fire. It's like a fiery test. It's something that, that helps to bring out the very best and to burn away the dross and the things that don't belong there. So that's what we're going to be thinking about today. We're going to be thinking about how uh, we, having met Jesus and become one of his, how he begins to refine us until we have characters, until we are people of pure gold. It's a really exciting passage. So um, as we begin, as we open up this passage and look at it, uh, let's pray together. And in chapter 4, in verse 11, Peter says, If anyone speaks, he should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. So thank you, Heavenly Father, for Peter, your apostle, who spoke the very words of God to us. And thank you that as we open this book this morning, as we uh, ask what it means for us, uh, that we can hear your words again. So will you speak to us this morning? Send your Holy Spirit and help us to hear. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I'd quite like to get behind the uh, character of the person who wrote this letter to us, because uh, Peter, of course, is somebody we know quite a bit about. He's one of the main characters uh, in the New Testament. We know lots of stories about him. And I suspect that Peter was the sort of person that everybody would have liked. Uh, everybody would have found it easy to get on with him. He was a big hearted, action orientated, uh, what you see is what you get sort of bloke. And he, he had this uh, characteristic of just jumping in where other people were still sort of trying to work out what was going on. Uh, you remember, he's the one who steps out of the boat uh, when he sees Jesus walking on the water. Uh, and that goes a little bit wrong for him. But towards the end, he jumps out of the boat and swims to the shore when he sees the resurrected Jesus there on the beach. 
Uh, you remember that at the, the morning of the resurrection, he runs to the tomb and, and uh, where John, who's with him, pauses outside and just is trying to take stock of things. He charges straight in uh, and uh, finds that the, the tomb is completely empty. He's a man of action. He, he jumps in with both feet. Uh, he's also someone uh, who speaks as he sees it. He, he calls a spade a spade. Uh, he doesn't spend too long reflecting. Uh, he just uh, opens his mouth and what comes out comes out. And sometimes it's amazing. Uh, sometimes what comes out is a revelation, like the moment when he, he says to Jesus, uh, you are the son of God, you are the Messiah. When Jesus asks, you know, who, who are people saying I am? He, he's also at times opens his mouth and all sorts of gibberish comes out. Uh, you remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, Elijah and Moses appear and he, he's kind of a bit drowsy and dazed and stunned by all of this. And he says, oh, it's great. It's great. I'm here because I could make three tents for you. And I think, you know, for the last 2000 years, people have studied that and wondered what on earth did he think he was saying? What did he mean? Uh, and nobody knows. And even the gospel writers put in brackets. He didn't know what he was saying. He, uh, so Peter, he opens his mouth and, and stuff comes out. And sometimes it's amazing. And sometimes it makes no sense at all. He's impetuous, um, but he's very uh, warm hearted. And, and I'm sure he would have been a very popular sort of guy. And when Jesus at the beginning calls Peter to be one of his apostles, he says to him, uh, you're currently called Simon. That's what everybody called him. That was his given name. But Peter, uh, James, uh, Jesus says to him, I'm going to call you Peter. And what he's saying to him is, I'm going to call you rock. That's what Peter means. Uh, Petra, rock in Greek. Uh, and I'm sure at that point there would have been a few chuckles <laughs> because there was a lot to be said for Peter. He was a likeable sort of fella, but a steady rock on which to build a church? Probably not. The sort of guy you want around when you need to make a careful judgment, uh, when you need to really think through the consequences. Is that Peter? Not really. Not really. Lots to like about him, but the solid rock on which to build the church? Not really. And yet... When we open the Bible now and we read these letters that he wrote two or three decades later, we discover that Peter has been transformed. He's been refined. Uh, the gold has been brought out of him and brought to the fore because now he really is the rock on which the church is built. Uh, he is the first amongst the apostles. He is uh, the one who has been founding churches, who has been helping to resolve some of the early disputes that the church had, who's been advising Christians on how to deal with persecution and criticism and resistance that is all around them. He has become the rock. He has been refined. So what makes uh, the difference? Uh, what transformed Peter from the person that we see in the Gospels uh, to this wise, solid church leader that we see in his epistles? Well, we know quite a lot about Peter and his life from the Gospels, and I'm sure that there was one event that he reflected on at great length and which made a huge difference the whole way that he thought and the whole way that he acted. I I'm sure that that moment when Jesus was arrested and taken away and Peter let him down was a defining moment for Peter in his life. I'm sure it's a moment he went back to and reflected on over and over again. We know in Mark's gospel in chapter 14 um, that Jesus talks to Peter and the other disciples about Zechariah chapter 13, a, a prophecy from the Old Testament that says the time will come when the shepherd will be struck down and the sheep will scatter. 
And Peter hears this and he knows straight away what Jesus is talking about. And he says, no, no, well, others may abandon you, but I will go with you wherever you go. I, I will be solidly by your side. I'm not going to scatter. And yet it's just a few hours later, of course, when probably the greatest moment of regret in Peter's life happens, when Jesus is arrested and he does scatter. And I'm sure that Peter reflected long and hard over the years as to what happened that night. Why was he not able to follow Jesus? And, and also when he followed at a distance to watch what Jesus was doing, what was Jesus up to? Uh, there's a, a real puzzle for him then and maybe for us as well now about why did Jesus allow this to happen to him? We know that Jesus had incredible power. We know that he had the ability to heal. We know that he had the ability to hear God's voice and to act in the power of the Spirit. So when this arrest took place, why did he allow himself to be arrested? Why did he allow himself to be beaten? Why did he allow himself uh, to be forced to drag a cross up a hill and then to be nailed to it until he was dead. Why did he allow all those things to happen? And I'm sure that Peter reflected on that and realised that he allowed it to happen because he was convinced that this was God's will. Jesus didn't defend himself. Uh, he didn't try to justify himself or explain what he was doing. He simply listened to God, put all of his trust in God and let it happen. And of course, he was right to do that. He was right to do that. We know that for certainty because three days after he died on that cross and was buried, he came back to life. Three days later, God did act and did vindicate him. He did show that Jesus was right to put his trust in him by lifting him up out of the grave. And of course, he achieved not just the resurrection of one person, not just the undoing of a terrible injustice to one person who had done nothing wrong, but he achieved through that a mechanism by which the whole world could be saved. A mechanism by which all of us are offered the opportunity to put an old life to death and to begin a whole new life with Jesus. I'm sure that Peter reflected on that very deeply and realised that what mattered was putting your trust wholeheartedly in God, in believing in all circumstances that however bad it might be for us at the moment, however difficult, however challenging, God is still in control. And actually the only judgment that matters, the only uh, person whose opinion needs to matter to us is God's, that God is the one who in the end will vindicate. And I think for Peter, this just became a part of his way of understanding the world and of acting. I'm sure he went back to that passage that Jesus had quoted from Zechariah chapter 13 and, and really studied it and tried to get to the bottom of what was going on when the shepherd was struck and the sheep scattered. And he would have discovered just a couple of verses later, uh, Zechariah chapter 13, verse 9, uh, how he God is talking about his people, the ones who follow him. And he says, I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord is our God. In other words, Zechariah is saying this is normal for the people of God. You can expect this, that this process of refining is going to take place, uh, that you're going to be refined like silver and like gold. And through it, you will learn to depend on God. Uh, he, he will call us his people and we will say the Lord is our God. And you can see that echoing back in 1 Peter chapter 4, 
uh, verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery trial you are suffering. You can imagine he's got Zechariah chapter 13 in his head, the fiery trial that brings out the silver and the gold. This is just a part of what it is to be a Christian. This is the process of being refined, of uh, being sanctified, of being made holy. And of course, the process began almost straight away with Peter. We know that on the day of Pentecost, uh, when the Holy Spirit came on the disciples as they were gathered in a room, it's Peter again who bursts out into the world. He's still the impetuous Peter that we know and love, but now he's fearless. Uh, he has learned to put his absolute trust in God, to, to trust that God knows what he's doing and that there is nothing to fear, not even death, uh, because God is in control. And he goes out and he shouts to the rooftops what's going on. And he tells everybody about Jesus and their need to find him and to follow him. And uh, he 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 uh, converts thousands of people on that day. And we see this again and again uh, through the book of Acts, how um, Peter just learns to go with what God is doing, to trust him completely. Uh, we learn how the Holy Spirit comes on some Gentiles, the house of Cornelius. And Peter's never seen anything like this before. He thought that, you know, this is Israel's God. This is the, the Jewish God. Why would the Holy Spirit come on Gentiles? They're not part of this. And yet he sees it happening and he goes with it. And, and he says, right, OK, well, I suppose the church is going to involve Gentiles from now. If that's what God is doing, then we trust him and we rely on him. And uh, this is the Peter who is continually being refined until one day he stands as the rock of that early church as it's facing some awful persecutions under Emperor Nero, uh, the emperor who you'll remember uh, liked to um, arrest Christians, blame blame them for anything that had gone wrong in the empire, um, put them to death in the circus, uh, feed them to animals, uh, tie them to lampposts and use them as street lighting. You know, th th this is the church that Peter was leading. And he'd learned that actually amazing things would happen if we just put our trust absolutely in God. And you know, I think there's one other element to what's going on here. It's not just um, Peter reflecting on what he knew and saw of Jesus on that day he was arrested. Uh, I think Peter's also got his eyes firmly fixed on our destination. You see, the process of sanctification uh, isn't just because it's good for us here in this world, but of course it is. Uh, the more gold there is in us, the more integrity, the more character, uh, the more holiness there is in us, then the better news it is for, for us and for people around us. Uh, but actually, it's also a process of fitting us to be with God forever. If you're going to be with a holy and good and all-powerful God for all eternity, uh, then you're going to need to learn to be a holy and good person yourself. That's the process that has already begun in us. Uh, we're again to be standing there uh, with each other before the throne of God. Uh, we're going to be worshipping him for all eternity. And that's going to be a place of super amazing goodness and holiness. That's going to be a place of real purity and real gold. So we may as well start getting ready for it now. That's where um, Peter ends up at the end of um, chapter 4 when he starts talking verse 17 about the time of judgment that has already begun with the family of God. It's already begun with God's people. He has already begun judging us so that we are ready to spend an eternity with him. Do you know, we, I think we have a real problem with this word uh, judgment. For us, it, it, it almost always conjures up pictures of having been accused of something and then a court deciding whether we did it or not. So it's a very binary thing. It's a very, you know, you are guilty or not guilty. 
but actually the, the idea of judgment in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament, and then carried over into um, letters like this that Peter's writing, it's a much more subtle one. It's, it's more of a picture of sort of a winnowing process or, or a discerning process, a process of saying, right, come and show me your life. And then let's work out, let's discern, let's judge what was really good in it. Uh, and let's uh, hold on to those things. And let's winnow out the stuff that actually was not good at all. And let's get rid of it. It's, it's a refining process. And um, the New Testament is consistent and clear about this, that there is an end point to history, that this Jesus who came and saved us on the cross is coming again. And at that moment, he will complete his work of redeeming all of creation and he will judge the earth. And it's judging in the sense of winnowing out the good and getting rid of the rubbish. It's a process of putting things right. It's a process of creating an eternal world uh, that we want to be in forever with just the amazing, pure, good bits, just the gold. And Peter's saying, do you know, for the people of God, something amazing has happened. That process is already underway. Uh, we are already being winnowed. We are already being judged. We are already uh, having our lives discerned to see which of those bits are worth holding on to for all eternity and which bits do we really just need to let go of and let Jesus put to death on the cross? That process has already begun. And you'll know that this letter, this uh, epistle of Peter is all about suffering. It comes back, that theme, over and over again. And Peter seems to be saying that in these times of suffering, in these times of struggle, that is honestly where more of that winnowing, more of that judging, more of that discerning takes place. That is uh, where when we are really under pressure, the things that matter come out. Uh, and this is in no way to say, well, this justifies suffering or this makes suffering a good thing or God wants us to have this suffering in order that we will be refined. Uh, it's not so much that as simply noticing that a consequence of suffering, a consequence of difficult times is that that refining takes place. And how amazing will it be if when we come at the end of time to stand before God to give an account of our lives, we're able to say more than just, well, I made a mess of my life, but I met Jesus and he dealt with it and uh, I, I trust in him. And that would be enough. But how much better to be able to say, having met him and having let him deal with my old life, I began this new life and this process of being winnowed and refined. And, and look, here is all the gold that the Holy Spirit has welled up in me. Here is the, the character and the virtue that is in me uh, that is fit already for all eternity. We are going through difficult times at the moment. It's really different difficult times from what the people that Peter was writing to were going through. They were worried about criticism and, and possibly about arrest and real danger to their lives for being Christians. And we're not being persecuted. Nobody's picking on us because we are Christians at this time. But we are going through a really difficult time uh, as uh, bad things are happening to us indiscriminately, whether we're good or bad or in between. And this is a real opportunity, actually, for growth. It, it doesn't justify it. It doesn't make it better that we are suffering, but actually a consequence of this could be that we are refined, that we are made a little bit more fit 
for an eternity with God, that a little bit more gold is bubbled up to the surface, that a little bit more of the ore or the chaff is taken away and destroyed. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to say we don't understand what's going on. Uh, we certainly don't think it's good, uh, but we do trust that God has not gone away, that he is still at work and that he is still doing things in us and changing us. And when we do that, maybe one day when we look back at this moment, it will be just like Peter looking back at some of the big mistakes he made in his life. And we'll be able to look at who we've become and realise the difference that God has made in our lives as he has refined us to pure gold. So shall we pray? Heavenly Father, in these difficult times with everything that we are facing and our friends and our neighbours and our nation is facing, we just want to trust you completely. We want to be like uh, Jesus when he was arrested and when all sorts of things were hurled at him. We want to just quietly trust in you. Father God, we want to invite your Holy Spirit to be at work in us. And in these times when we're under pressure and where what we're really like is, is bubbling up, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be, will be just scooping off uh, all the muck and all the ore and bringing out in us pure gold. So Holy Spirit, it may not be a comfortable process, but we want to be refined into pure gold. Will you continue that work in us? Amen. So I want to begin our prayer time by sharing with you something I've been finding really helpful in my prayer life at the moment, and that's praying out loud. Finding more engagement, more life in speaking my prayers audibly. It takes the thoughts which are in my head, which, yeah, sure, God can hear, into something that enters our physical world in the form of sounds. It makes them somehow more real to me and engages me more. So I'm going to suggest some specific topics for prayer in a moment, and then I'm going to shut up and leave a period of silence. And I want to urge you, however awkward or embarrassing for you, to fill those silences with out loud prayers. No one except your family, and God, of course, will hear you, so try not to be too self-conscious. I really think it will help you engage. So the first thing I'd like us to pray about is our world and our nation. And then the second thing is going to be our local area and church family. Okay. Firstly, um, in particular, our world and our nation, um, the relationship between China and America is really looking quite bad at the moment. It'd be great for us to pray into that as well as our economic situation. And then secondly, on a local level, I'd love us to pray for the people that we know. Uh, many of you will have heard about the sad death of the long-standing and lo much-loved member of our congregation, Nigel. So please pray for Jane, his wife, and his kids, Sarah and Edward, and their families. But also pray for other people, other folk you know locally who are mourning at the moment. And also for anyone else who we know who's working in a particularly key or crucial job at the moment, like the NHS, or locally we have the Office for National Statistics. So I'm going to leave some silence and just a chance for you to pray out loud about those things, our world and our local area.
monologue we've just heard from Gavin about being refined. And in case you haven't heard, St John's are, to use work Gavin's words, we're, we're noticing God is refining us and our nation in our own prayer lives during lockdown. Again, using Gavin's words, we have an opportunity afforded us by this difficult circumstance to kind of burn off the dross and to bring out the gold in this area of our personal relationships with God. And, and that's why right now we're in the midst of a season of prayer. Currently, we're looking at the Thy Kingdom Come material, 11 days of global prayer. But, but once this closes, we're launching the prayer course online as well as some other initiatives. Now, I know many of you have done the course already last year, but we'd love to offer you again the chance to engage with this useful material as part of this refining, but also to invite friends to join us, perhaps non-Christian friends, on the course. If you tuned in last week, you'll have written down five names, five people you're praying for every day during Thy Kingdom Come. And so in a moment, I'm going to um, offer you another moment of silence. I'm going to pause and encourage you to pray out loud audibly. And I'd like you to pray for the deepening of your own personal prayer life and consider coming on the course, but also to pray for your five friends or five of your friends and family during the silence. And then while that's happening, get out your phone, text or WhatsApp or email them, the first of those friends, invite them to the prayer course. I'd really encourage you to be bold and confident. Don't hold back. What's the worst that could happen? Perhaps they just say no. But if they say yes, this could have eternal consequences. So I'm going to hold some silence, pray about your own personal life and pray for those five. So please be sure to invite the rest of your list later today, perhaps even before the Zoom coffee after this service if you're watching um, live with the premiere. Now before I go I want to mention some of the details. Um, the prayer course will be running on Monday nights over Zoom. It's an eight-week course from the 1st of June, which is instead of the normal Monday prayer meeting. So at 7.30 um, we'll be joining together on Zoom to discuss the video um, that's online that we've already watched and details to sign up on the prayer call page below so you should see that appearing and um, you'll see what our exciting was in your website looks like if you go to that site and if you're interested in using um, your sitting room window perhaps to promote this to the wider community um, I'm, I'm inviting people to stick up a huge poster in the window so please email me it's mike at sglh.org.uk and this would really help other people uh, in the community to know about it to get the word out and get people involved and I'm going to close by praying for all of us Lord we hear your call your cry for us to deepen our relationship with you to learn again to be alone and intimate with you in prayer, both as a church and as a nation. Holy Spirit, will you come and breathe on the dry bones of these prayer initiatives you've given us and bring them to life. Fill houses around Locks Heath with prayer, 
explode into our living rooms as we seek you and bring us to a new revelation and experience of your presence and power among us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So we're coming towards the end of our time together this Sunday morning, but we hope that in a couple of minutes you will be able to join us for coffee in the Zoom room. And hopefully it will work this week. No, it went horribly wrong last week and it wasn't just us. Uh, apparently there were so many churches using Zoom that it actually broke the Zoom. <laughs> and 10 Downing Street were really annoyed about it because they were trying to do something as well. Um, but they managed to fix it pretty quickly. We're pretty sure they're going to be all right this week. So yeah, if you've been watching live at 10 o'clock on Sunday, it'd be great to see you in just a few minutes. Yeah. And it would also be really great just to receive those, those pictures of you with red, orange and yellow in. And there's a contact address for you to send them to, hopefully, on the screen at the moment. That's the way I have to remember to edit that in, don't yeah, I? Yeah, we'll put, we'll put a nice little email address down there. Uh, don't forget to check out our new website. We're so excited about it. It's, it's looking really lovely and vibrant and full of great pictures and images. Um, so do have a look at sglh.org.uk. And don't forget, you can sign up for the marriage course there. You can have a look for more details about the prayer course and Thy Kingdom Come and Unite 714 and all the prayer initiatives that are going on at the moment. So do have a look at our website. So that's it um, for this week. And um, we just pray that... Um, as we're entering, how many weeks is it now? Nine, ten That's weeks count. of lockdown. We just uh, pray that God's presence will be really real to you and that you will know that even when life is not good, God is good. We pray that you will know his peace and his joy and his blessing. So go with the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.